Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fundamentals Podcast. I am your host, Harley. Joining me on this episode to talk about the UK office, it's one half of the Ramblin' and Amblin' podcast and previous guest on this show, Joshua Glenn. Josh was kind enough to come onto the show and share his love for what is probably one of the more iconic and certainly one of the most impactful sitcoms of the last few decades, and that is, of course, The Office. The Office is a show that has had such a giant impact on comedy as we know it in the last few decades, and we get into the reasons as to why we think that is, including observations on characters, on the style of the show, and what it has to say about the human condition. Yes, we get quite deep into this discussion. There's some things that Josh brings up that I think are absolutely brilliant and help you to see the show in a completely different light. There is, of course, a healthy mix of clips and references and quotes and just so much fun that went into this episode, as well as some, of course, observations on the bigger themes of the show. This really is a mixed bag of an episode and I had so much fun recording it and putting it together. One small thing I should mention, uh, I managed to make a bit of a technical mistake at my end when I was recording, so if my audio sounds not as crisp or clear as this, well, that's my own fault. But I've done my best to fix it, and it shouldn't impact what has been one of my favourite episodes to put together. So, without further ado, let's get straight into the episode. This is The Office with Joshua Glenn. Hello, Joshua, and welcome back to the Fundamentals podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me back, man. It's so nice to be here in these hallowed walls uh, with you again. (laughs) Indeed, indeed, these hallowed virtual walls that we're in. (laughs) It's great. And uh, you you reached out to me with an episode that I was hoping Mm -hmm. someone would do because anyone who's listened to this so far knows I have hinted that the US office is coming up. It is coming up, and I'm going to... We'll get to that, don't worry. (laughs) But, um, But yeah, when I was putting it all together the uk was one that i was definitely going for and i thought well we have to talk about Mm -hmm. it of course you have to talk about it and of course you reached out and told me and i thought brilliant there you go perfect guest for one of the best best shows out there so i just want to know straight away when did you first see this show and yeah why did you choose to bring it to this uh this podcast um i think when i first saw it i think this is the first show that i was ever aware of as being a cultural phenomenon because it came out 2001 I think the first series so I was about eight or nine and I was too young to really watch it at that point but I was I I think I saw like um Matt Groening accepting an award at the uh, Emmys or Golden Globes and he mentioned The Office in his acceptance speech and because I was a big Simpsons fan back in that back in well I still am a big Simpsons fan but that was before the show had really started to tank so I was still kind of um Mm -hmm. on board for it and when he mentioned it I thought ooh. Oh, Mr. Matt Groening, Mr. Simpsons has recommended this uh, this English show, The Office. I must check this out. And then I think mm. I saw. Um, do you remember those those countdown shows that like Channel Four used to do of the hundred greatest British comedy moments yes. and stuff like that? I think yeah, I saw yeah. the uh, 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 dance <laughs> <laughs> on one of those lists. And um, right, and, and right. <laughs> that's kind of for, for someone who's that young. That that's kind of that base level humor is kind of what you need to pull you in. And then the first time I ever saw it uh, must have been a couple of years after that when another kind of relic from the past was when uh, newspapers used to give away DVDs, sometimes of movies, sometimes like single episodes of TV series. And Mm. we got 
episode one on DVD with one of the newspapers that my dad used to buy. And I watched that over and over and over and over and over and over again, like <laughs> to the point where I was quoting it and I was making my friends recite bits with me and stuff like that. And I'd show yeah. people every time they came around to my house to the point that people stopped <clears throat> coming around to my house. And then I, <laughs> I asked for the, the complete box set for Christmas, which I think about 2005, that year really sticks in my head. And again, mm-hmm. I, I, I watched it all, I've been like 13, which is, I think, the perfect age to... Because you, you're seeking more sophisticated comedy, I think, when you yes. enter your teens. Yes. Um, so, Quite. yeah, so it was around about 2005 that I, I watched the whole thing, like binged the whole thing back to front, watched it over and over and over again. And mm. um, yeah, and, and it just became very much part of my being to the point that so, so much of my, my sense of humour and what I do in the world that I think is funny is just cribbing from David Brentisms yeah. or Garethisms or um, <laughs> I'm probably not as witty enough to be a Tim, but certainly, you know, that, that kind of awkward humour, yeah, very much influenced yeah. how I am as a, as a person. <laughs> so um, I think I chose it probably because it, it is the show that I've watched more than any other show that exists. I mean, the benefit of, uh, of English sitcoms is English shows in general is is that the the scheduling over here means that we only have like you know six part sometimes eight part series so it's quite easy to watch it you know over and over again certainly relative to the American version um mm. and yeah it's it's just one I find a lot of comfort in this show like I've been I've been uh, ill this week and it was such a delight watching it again because it really takes me for a show that is so bitter in so many ways and so um mm. uh in many places, tough to swallow. It's, I find it weirdly comforting to watch. Um, so there's that aspect. There's also the aspect that I, I genuinely believe that it's, for me, the best British comedy of all time. And yeah. even more so than that, and this is kind of, I'm going to put my pretentious hat on now because I have got a very pretentious take to throw <laughs> at you at some point in the episode. Uh, I, okay. I think it is arguably, uh, arguably by me, one of the all-time great humanist dramas. I think it's oh. it's doing and saying a lot about the human condition, particularly at the turn of the 21st century. Uh, and I think it's a very important document of life around that time. And there's so much truth and humanity within it that I think it, it, it sort of, <laughs> it kind of transcends uh, it, it humble origins as, um, as, a, as a Britcom. So I've, I've got, a, mm. yeah, I've got a, a, hot, a hot take to develop for you, my friend. I love that because um well a couple of things really um so yeah first of all i'm same as you man mm-hmm. i got to rewatch this one so it's been interesting doing this this series i've been really grateful to have some of the guests on and come on but some of the shows like you know we did a seinfeld and yeah. that, i just i had there's no way i was going to get through all of that there's a lot know. yeah yeah which was fine and it's a show that thanks to petros i'm definitely going to go back and watch but this was one when i knew it was coming up i, was, I looked at him and went right 14 episodes i can knock that out in a week i can catch up and to be honest, I, I've took so much more away from it mm-hmm. this time. And so I'm really curious to get your takes on stuff like that, because I think you're on to something. And I've been listening to a few interviews with uh, Gervais and, mm. and Stephen Merchant. <clears throat> and it's interesting, some of their insights as well. Yeah. I think I think you're right. It's it's one of those shows that I think definitely has a lot of drama and, and a lot to say about people and about fame and celebrity and, and a lot, it was in many ways very ahead of its time so yeah all, very happy to get into all of that with you good 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 i'm happy to hear that um so what, what did you how what did you think watching it again did, did you did you glean any fresh I, joy yeah i i definitely got a lot more out of it this time 
same as you, mate. Because we're, we're similar yeah. age. So I was a kind of the same thing where like I'd heard about it, but obviously my parents were like, well, you're eight or nine, you're not watching <laughs> yeah. this show. And then I, yeah, I got to like I don't know, 15, 16, whatever. And I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, The Office. Uh. And then my dad's like, yeah, it's quite funny. You know, it's very dry. And, and so I thought, okay, I'll try it. And I, I definitely remember laughing, but I don't think I enjoyed it as much. Yeah. And then like since then, I've I've seen the US one and I, I've definitely leaned more towards the more optimistic mm. kind of comedies. And so that one I've rewatched countless times. But this is one I've always meant to go back and, and really give it its proper time. So like I said, when you suggested it, I thought, yes, absolutely, let's do it. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did. Because I I found myself proper belly laughing at some of the stuff <laughs> yeah. in this. Like, I just thought, it's so clever. Yeah. And it's like, it's so dry. But it's it's really, not only is it really funny, but I agree with you. I just think, I came away from it thinking, like, they were very ahead of their mm. time with a lot of the characteristics and the style of the show because mm. correct me if i'm wrong something i kept hearing a, a lot about in the early days with this show yeah. is that a lot of people were confused by it because some people kind of thought oh this is just a documentary isn't it like some people mm. didn't get that it was actually this is a comedy and it yeah. was scripted that is a thing you hear i don't know uh, the, the amount of truth to that but it's certainly a, a, mm. a brazilian urban myth around the show and um I think at the time, I mean, there had been mockumentaries beforehand. I mean, you have like uh, Spinal Tap in the 80s and you have yeah. the Christopher Guest uh, comedies of the 90s, like Best in Show and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and even even on American TV, the uh, Larry Sanders show with Gary Shandling, who I know was a, an influence on Ricky Gervais, um, yes. which I, I think just precedes The Office. I might be wrong, but I think it just precedes The Office. So you did have mm. a precedent for it. But yeah, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if that was true. Um, I, I haven't been able to verify that myself. I, I did try ahead of this episode, mm. but um, I can imagine tuning in and watching it. Because at the time, uh, start of the of the noughties, what would the sort of flagship... I, I'm thinking of shows like uh, The Vicar of Dibley and, you know, yeah. like... The Graham Linehan shows and My Family and stuff like all all have merit in their own way. I particularly do love like Father Ted and that kind of thing. But it was very yeah. much a traditional three camera setup with a laugh track. Uh, I guess in, in America you have single camera sitcoms just coming on like Malcolm in the Middle and, and Scrubs, as my pod partner just came on to talk about. Yeah, uh, great episode mm-hmm. by the way. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, but I think this this very much is. Um, it, it 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 does feel radical, and I think they they definitely came at the right time. That they they you uh, brought together a lot of these influences, uh, Merchant mm. and Gervais, in in a way that did make this thing stand out from the crowd. Um, and I watched. I have the. I, I I thankfully brought my office box set back to London with me after visiting home ahead of lockdown. Um, and I, I there's mm-hmm. a, a, some really great making of documentaries on there. Um, and they did. They talked about the process of kind of refining it, and and they made uh, a pilot for the BBC uh, before it was commissioned for a full series. And watching that back, that was kind of like um, watching their dreams crumble almost. They said because <laughs> they they really liked the possibilities of. I mean, the documentary aesthetic began as a time and money saving thing for them originally, but then the more mm. they embraced that, the more they wanted it to really follow the visual language of a documentary and follow the structural rules and stuff. And the, the pilot they made, they said, was it was full of incident, full of zingers, full of amusing scrapes, mm. and it kind of felt a little bit too structured like a traditional sitcom. So for the okay. for the actual episode one of the you know of, of the first series, they they sort of really pared it down and they they really kind of 
in, in a way, flattened out the performances to make them feel much more grounded and, uh, and realistic. And one of the things they said is they, they didn't mm. top and tail the scenes neatly. So they, they left some of the boring bits in. Like, there's a lot of cutaways to people just sitting, mm. working in the office in this sterile-looking environment with those horrible phone-ringing sounds and, and the, the, yeah. the, the, the close-ups of the paper printing. And you really get a sense yeah. of, of this thing being grounded in real life and... Uh, and I think that's that's probably where the the famous awkward silence has come from. You know, this I think. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that detractors of this show uh, really point to um, it, it, is the the cringe factor of it. Because I mean, mm. <laughs> admittedly, so I, I can understand why one wouldn't get along with cringe comedy because it is it's very yeah. unpleasant. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I think I think the cringe aspect uh, is something that really arose from the. The, the new visual format that they had. And it, it kind of leads me on to a point that I did want to make, and it, it, it kind of ties in with the idea of what you said about people mistaking it for reality, is that w- what all those things do, what the, uh, the, the grounding in, in the dull monotony of the office life and those awkward silences do, is they do kind of remove your safety net. So these, these yes. things happen at, yeah. at a time when uh, there was a lot of laugh tracks and, and a lot of... Um, sort of jaunty musical scores like even early scrubs had a lot of sound effects and a lot of 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 Mm. incidental music to sort of punctuate scenes and jokes and stuff this this does not give you anywhere to hide so things you know things (laughs) things happen and it's like a horror it's a horrific car crash like when um i think of (laughs) at the start of series two when the swindon lot joined the slough branch and and David Brent's yeah. doing his welcome talk, and he, he mm. immediately falls back on. Um, I don't agree with that in the workplace. Does nobody know him from the Coventry Conference? And yeah, just, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And it's just you want him to stop, but he, he just he fills the space by talking and yeah. talking and talking, and yeah. you you sort of you laugh and cry. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's brilliant. Yeah, it's so good. But it, it's so funny you said that because I was um, in the interview that I'd heard. So I, I will point people towards this for mm-hmm. both, obviously for the for the US office mainly, but um, I was listening to Brian Baumgartner's interviews. He's in a series of mm. interviews with different cast members, and he talks to Gervais and Merchant. And of course, they talk about the US, but they talk a lot about the, the British one, because yeah. obviously it's where it all started. Um, and it was really interesting from Stephen Merchant's uh, perspective. He asked them about the cringe comedy. Mm. And apparently it wasn't like an intentional yeah. thing. It wasn't yeah. them just going, like, oh, we're... We're, we're creating cringe comedy. We're going to lean into cringe comedy. It was more just, it was what him and Ricky Gervais found mm. funny. It was just like, he even cited something like The Simpsons and, and there's lots of other shows that do it <laughs> yeah. where someone d- tells a joke or makes a speech and then it's just crickets. <laughs> yeah. And like, and it's true and it happens all the time in, the, in these shows. Yeah. I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, that happens a lot. But what those shows you don't normally do is they'll have that like every few episodes yeah. for like yeah. a minute. It's, it's like a one time thing. Whereas, like you said, this show just makes you sit in the yeah, silence. Yeah. And they, and they just said they found it really funny. But then it was only afterwards that people were coming up to them and going like, oh, I was watching that scene through my fingers. Yeah. And, and you do, you do like, yeah, like that's a great example. I mean, it's going to be sound bites put in here, but that's one of my favorite ones of just like, yeah, like you said, of, of, of just dead silence yeah. of just no one gets it. Yeah. And, I, and as you said, and they just turn the screw mm-hmm. with the David Brent character. And if you just like, um, something else merchant said i thought was very funny he said like he just he's a character that doesn't know when to shut up <laughs> yeah yeah like if he just if he just let the silence be and just learned from the lesson of like oh okay this isn't working yeah 
but he just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and you're like just stop yeah, you're yeah. Like watching it going stop but and yeah so i agree with you i get why some people don't like it mm. but i for, i for one am on their side of like no i just think it's hilarious i just like you do end up kind of watching it through your fingers sometimes but yeah. it's still funny oh man it's still great it so I, I was cackling with laughter i mean i don't know how many times i've watched it through by this point but i, I was still cackling <laughs> yeah. watching it again this week before this mm. yeah well that kind of leads me on to characters a little mm. bit i mean obviously we're going to talk about all of them i'm sure mm. but david brent i mean i feel like you have to talk about david brent i i have to if you think about some of like the best comedic characters and you, you referenced earlier there's like channel four shows and i'm sure i am sure that david brent has been in their like top 10 yeah. if not top five consistently yeah because he is i think one of the best written comedic characters yeah. of like i don't know the last the last few decades at least mm. if not you know all time for sure no I completely agree yeah and i think there's something i mean <laughs> this is going to get a little bit josh confessional now i, I used to um, be in charge of a team in a, in a previous job and it was something I was hopelessly ill-equipped to do and uh, I, I found myself um, sliding into Brentish mannerisms because I, I, I was kind of I was a, I was a peer of, of the people that I was not I, I began as a team member and then I was I was team leader yeah assistant assistant to the regional manager and I, I found myself in charge of the team and it was tough to have to be a, a kind of authoritative to people that I had you know, come up with and stuff so I so right. much of um subconsciously uh so much of what i did was 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 brenty and <laughs> that haunts me to this day <laughs> there was one time i would because uh, we used to work in a, a copywriting um the copywriting part of a company and were brainstorming okay. ideas for a funny bit of copy and everyone was bouncing ideas around and i was sitting there thinking oh just trying to think of uh just trying to think of other ones now and then everyone stopped put their headphones on got back to work and then i then yeah. i thought of one and I, oh god guys guys i've got one I've, guys everyone take your headphones and then i said it complete silence complete <laughs> silence and uh funnily enough um andy oh, no. andy godion was one of the people that was on my team and the thing that broke the silence <laughs> after what felt like seven hours was andy going <laughs> <laughs> you know his, his big sort of growly laugh that he's yeah. got um but man yeah. i i wake up in cold sweats thinking about that so yeah there's a lot of um the the kind of the the neediness of david <laughs> brent is something that i absolutely uh, uh, uh really do empathize with um i think all of us can though, yeah to a level right? yeah i think i think that's part i i sincerely believe that's part of why most of us or the people especially who say like, oh, I don't like the David Brent character. I mm. think it's because secretly, deep down, we see a bit yeah. of ourselves. Maybe not to the full extent. Yeah. Like, I think if, it's rare if you meet a full David Brent in the wild. <laughs> I've met a few. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and, it, and you do kind of think, oh, oh, I've met yeah. one. Okay, yeah. and, you, and you know. And if you're listening to this and you don't know, it's you. <laughs> um, but no... <laughs> no, but in all sincerity, yeah. I do think like, yeah, I same as you, man. I can think back to moments, yeah, you think, oh, I've yeah. got something, this will kill, yeah. and it just... dies. And all that neediness, or mm -hmm. like, you know, at, at all those moments, yeah, like you said, you can identify with, you can watch, and you go, oh. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's part of it. I think that's part of why that character is so brilliant, is because there is a tiny bit of that in all of us oh, that we 100%. see and go, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes us feel uncomfortable. I think the key as well to unlocking David Brent, because I think so many people 
so many people see this show as mean-spirited because of the cringe comedy, mm. and I think so many people see a lot of the characters as unlikable and unsympathetic because of the way they behave, particularly David Brent. But I think the key to understanding yeah. him on a human level, which is part of my argument as to why it's a humanistic show, ultimately, okay. is I think you've got to factor in that everything he's doing, he's doing so fully aware of the fact that there are cameras recording him do it. So no one in the show is acting as they mm. would ordinarily. Every single thing that everyone is doing is a response to there being cameras there, which is something that I think is particularly unique to this version. I, I, I don't think um, some of the subsequent American iterations of mockumentaries, I think it's kind of a, an aesthetic choice more than anything else, and I don't think mm. it kind of influences the action to the same level as this. Uh, mm. Brent is so... He's so dedicated to mugging for the camera. I, I, my read on David mm. Brent is that when he, when his office was selected for the the documentary, because in within the world of the office, the documentary they're recording, the office is actually going out on television. And you know, in in the Christmas special, they mm. talk on the events of the uh, of the first two series because it, by this point it has aired on TV, and there is that interplay between the the form of the show and the content of the show. Um, and I get the sense that David Brent, when his office was selected to be the subject of the documentary, he kind of saw that as a chance to reinvent himself and to kind of uh, ride the gravy train to minor celeb town. And I think that yeah. is David Brent's most consistent arc. Is if you if you look at him as a man who is hoping to trade in this exposure for fame and fortune, um, I, I think he becomes a really tragic figure. He he's is is this a tragic fool <laughs> because you do mm. you get you get a sense there are some clues sprinkled throughout that this is a man who for all intents and purposes is not bad at his job like at the end of season mm. one the the board votes five to two for him to get jennifer's job when when she's getting promoted to uh, a partner so clearly there is there is mm. something unless it's a culture of people turning a blind eye but th th i think there's enough um hints that he, he is good at the job and what he's doing is essentially steamrolling his his professional career for this shot at fame um, and the, the, sort yeah. of the sheer desperation that the cameras imbue him with and, and that's kind of why it's so it's so funny and so sad and ultimately mm. the ultimate kind of destination for him is a kind of redemption although not not full redemption and certainly not a redemption that I think you get a sense of being long lasting but yeah, it ultimately gets him to a place of kind of more inner peace uh, as he kind of goes through the whole rigmarole of being a minor celebrity and kind of the monkey's poor side of of zealist fame. Mm. Um, so yeah. yeah, long way of saying that I think that the, 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 the sort of the key to understanding David Brent is, is to think of, of of a man who is acutely aware of a camera being there and he's very much playing up for it and trying to sell himself as this. <laughs> This uh, this uh, comedian savant, like Morecambe and Wise, I... but no, no dead, no straight man, so no Deadwood. Yeah, no dead, no Deadwood. <laughs> Be betraying a fundamental <laughs> misunderstanding of how comedy works in that one. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It just that says everything you need to know about the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I totally agree, and that was something I was fascinated by in um, Brian Baumgartner's interview with Ricky Gervais. He said exactly that about David mm. Brent. It's like some of the mannerisms and he, he mentioned stuff like you know where he he'd always sort of look at the camera mm. every two seconds or like shuffle his tie or like yeah like he does that a lot of because he's nervous mm. because he's clearly putting on an yeah. act yeah like you said because and that was the whole thing that 
that Gervais was getting at, and, I, and this is where I think it's very much ahead of its yeah. time. Yeah, it's because a, a big part, a big inspiration for a lot of this show was. I remember this so vividly when they started talking about it. All of these random, and there's there's tons of them now. But there, at the turn of the century, there was this huge influx of just documentaries mm. about nothing yeah. about people in like the most boring <laughs> scenario it would be anything from like i don't know a, a man running an ice cream van to like you know traffic cops or like you know people that work in libraries yeah. and it's and, it, and he's they made they made a comment that like by the second season people the people mm. in it would suddenly be like oh i'm this character yeah and would start acting a certain way to have a shot at, as you say z-list yeah. fame yeah and so, yeah, in that way, it's really ahead of its time. And David Brent is exactly that. Like you said, he's that character. It's a character mm. study of what happens to somebody who basically, yeah, identifies like that mm. and thinks, oh, the cameras are on. Oh, I could, you know, I could pour £41,000 into a really bad <laughs> pop song. And... If you don't know me, <laughs> if you don't know me, I'm putting that Fabulous, in. That's, yeah. that's hundred percent going in. But it's just it's stuff like yeah. that. It's hilarious, and like the, I feel like the episode that it really stands out for me in um, is the one where they have the training course. Oh my god! Yeah. And that poor guy Rowan. who's brought in just just to get them yeah. through uh, a, a simple training course that he's been paid yeah. to do. It. He's trained. He's coming to do it. <laughs> And David Brent just hijacks yeah. it because the cameras are yeah. on, and he uses it as an opportunity to get his guitar out and starts. And it just you can and the, the poor the dejection, the, the, uh, <laughs> sorry, the dejection on that guy's face at the end of this he, uh, episode is so funny. Yeah. But I think that just that says it all about his character. Is he, he's just like, oh, this is this is my mm-hmm. time. This is my fifteen minutes of fame. Yeah. Right, that's lunch. Okay. And now, you know, that, that whole culture is is like a wildfire, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's crazy out of control and it has gone beyond television. It's mm. you know, it's TikTok, mm-hmm. it's YouTube, it's Instagram. But they were they were there at like day one, yeah, like saying, Oh, this is this is the kind of person you'll you will be seeing on your screens yeah. forever in a day now. Yeah. And I think for that I applaud them. I oh, think yeah. that's genius. Yeah, and, and, and it is it, more so than, than than just the sort of fame hung, it, it is it, the willingness to blow up your life for the chance at this kind yeah. of fame. And I think this is mm. one of the reasons that their follow up series, Extras, although still, you know, very good 
good, you know. It's pa- no, it's, I, it's, yeah, it's, I like it's, it. I think, yeah. yeah, but it, it yeah. retreads a lot of the same ground, but in a way that I think is much less elegant and much less um, mm. eloquent, you know, to, to a yeah to a yeah. point. Um, and, I, yeah, the, the, there's the, the, real, the real kind of... The Christmas special, I guess, we can probably... That can be a whole conversation point in a bit because there's so much to unpack mm. within that. But before we mm. get to that point, there is that real horrible... Um, it's like a, a sort of Breaking Bad, Ozymandias-style gut punch at the end mm. of uh, Series 2 when David Brent, mm. he gets approached by the... Uh, professional management training people and asked to to participate in uh, management uh, teaching seminar and he yeah, thinks he's going to yeah. reinvent the wheel he's going to go in there and he's going to read philosophical quotes from his little quote book that he's got it's going to yeah, he's going to play yeah. simply the best as he leaves he's, he's going to do all this out out the box stuff to show that he's who turned it off <laughs> don't turn it off <laughs> that was me that was me on a seven that was me on a seven yeah wait till you see me on a ten yeah. um and and he kind of uh, <laughs> he sees that as the direction he's going to be going in. So when, um, yeah, when yeah. Uh, later in that episode or the next episode, when uh, Neil and Jennifer come and offer him involuntary redundancy, he's kind of thinking, yeah. okay, well, this this is a, removing my safety net, but I, I still have, you know, I, I've got these management seminars, and I'm going to break out from this uh, this mm. this this documentary and become a celebrity. So that's fine. And then in the next episode the Ozymandias comparison comes into place because all of the ducks mm. that he'd got lined up in a row get killed one by one. And it's a really, yeah. I, I actually, I really do think, I know uh, Ricky Gervais is very Marmite to a lot of people, especially now. I, I don't think he's, 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 he's a man mm. who's lingered on with much endearment, but I think um, he really puts in a great performance in this show and no, mm. no moment more so than when he's told by the management folks uh, that they don't want to carry on with him because he's a bit unorthodox mm. for their tastes. And then when Neil and Jennifer come in after them to um, work out the terms of his redundancy, he, he like all of the bravado, all of the uh, all of yeah, that fakeness, it, it just it drops. drops away because he realises yeah. the extent mm. to which he's blown up his life based on this thing that he mm. now realises is just not within his grasp. Things, this image is painted mm. for himself he's constantly forced throughout the series to reckon with the fact that how he presents himself is not how he's perceived. And, you know, the awkward silence is a test to that and uh, his inability to really connect with people. And it, it all comes crashing down in that one scene when he goes, don't remember redundant, please, I'll, 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 I'll do anything. I'll, I'll work twice as hard. Just please say it's not, this is not the end. This is not it. Please just come on. And it's that, yeah. that you know, he's not a professionally trained actor. This is the first thing he's ever done. Uh, Ricky Gervais, but, you know, mm. and, and, there's just something so um, heartbreaking in, in this, this scene of a man just begging for his job when he realises just how much he's, you know, tit up. Um, mm. And it's wild to think as well that for a while, I think they planned to end it after two series. So for a while, the mm. series two finale was the, the office finale. So it ended with this, this man stripped down to nothing, crying, begging for his job on television. Um, which is, yeah, which is, uh, it's a bit of hill to swallow. And because it's presented in the same way that the jokes are presented, I can see why people might think that it's cruel. But I think if you understand what the show is doing with Brent and, and the way it presents him and, and, you know, how the very, you know, aesthetic and makeup of the show is making him act the way he does, it's such a heartbreaking moment. And I, I really do think that 
Gervais and Merchant love all their characters and they really truly feel for them and they they want the viewer to as well and you know I, I, it's uh it's a heartbreaking scene man I mean li- listeners is, of, of my yeah. podcast Rambling will know that I'm quite an easy cry um and <laughs> I, I did message you ahead of this to say that I I cried a lot and, and yeah. I did I, I cried during the scene when he's begging for his job because it's just so naked and raw mm. yeah I no I can see that man I, I must admit that was that for me is kind of the moment where you you feel sorry for him. Mm. Like that's the moment when you're kind of like, oh, mm. you know, like yeah, you've you've really blown this up, yeah. and and like you said, you kind of you see the the walls come down and the act drop, and like you said, it's it's like kind of that realization of like, oh, I've gone too far. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, and I, and I love the comparison by the way uh, to Breaking Bad. It's <laughs> probably one of my my favorite drama and hands down the best yeah. episode of that oh whole show. my god yeah, yeah it's there's, there's nothing better than a you know it all comes crashing down kind of yeah. episode and like you said the office does that really really yeah. well um with a nice cameo by olivia yeah. Colman as the uh, <laughs> yeah. as the author i'd forgotten about that when she when she turned up i was like that's olivia Colman. oscar winning olivia Colman. yeah yeah i know she's great at it she's absolutely brilliant she's brilliant yeah yeah that whole scene where he's what is it? He's uh, he's like Brent yeah. used, and he's like trying to tell her what to write, and it's a, it's a classic gag, yeah. but it's but it's very funny. It's very it's so, very funny. It's so very funny, silly. but it's so true. He's just he's trying to control the narrative mm. of, of what people think about him, and and you just can't do. And like you it. said, but but it, it adds it adds to that whole thing of like he thinks he's writing yeah, high and yeah. he can build this image, and then like in one foul stroke, like you said, yeah. it all comes crumbling down. Yeah. Um. But it's really good, and that, and that's something that, uh, again, Gervais talked about was you know, the whole the whole Christmas episode. Then just became about for hit for that mm-hmm. character exploring, yeah, the other side of that coin of like, okay, so now you're this you know Z list celebrity. What's that like? Mm. What's it like living this fifteen minutes of fame? And it's awful, mm. and it's and it and you kind of hear about this a lot with people in these documentaries where like. You know, they 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 play a bad guy, or they do something like this. They basically make a fool of themselves in whatever form, and it just haunts them mm. for the rest of their life. And they and it's, and I, I often think about it. I think, yeah, that you often think, well, is it worth it? Yeah. And you imagine with a lot of these people, like you imagine with a David Brent character, you think if he could go back, would he have taken it? Probably not. Yeah. Maybe in hindsight, he might have just passed up on the documentary if he, if he'd known what was coming. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like you said, I, I agree with you. I think actually that's that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Um, and something else that, that Gervais talks about a lot with the bread character and where the humour is, and people go, "Oh, it's cringy." It's like, yeah, but it, that's he talks about it. He calls it his blind mm-hmm. spot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the difference between how he perceives himself and how others mm. perceive him. And like you said, and that comes in the form of dying on his ass whenever he tells <laughs> yeah. an offensive joke or something like he thinks it's brilliant and i and i've realized a lot actually what re-watching it this time i was like it's the moments where he over explains yeah, yeah, yeah. a joke or like why an offensive joke is actually not offensive or like you know why what he said is actually funny and clever and he just it's like verbal diarrhea it just comes yeah. out and then he, and it just goes further and further and i think it's genius i think it's really funny just watching this guy who's dug himself a hole just go to the center of yeah. the earth with it and just keep going. And you're just like, mate, come coming back to what Gervais, uh, to what Stephen Merchant said earlier. Just shut up. Just stop talking. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Welcome to Slough, to the, to the new people. Uh, my name's David Brent. And um, I've always been in the paper industry. I don't know, yeah. My um, parents owned a paper shop 
until it blew away. Good <laughs> paper. There's better ones than that. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not used to public squeaking. I piss pronunciate a lot of my worms. <laughs> Do you know that's the two Ronnies? Do you know like that? That is classic stuff. Turn the phone off. That's part of it. If you're not concentrating, you're not going to enjoy it as much. Focus. Okay. Anyway, good to have you all here from Swindon, because I hear they dropped an atomic bomb on Swindon. About 15 quid's worth of damage. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's... Right. Oh, it's a good job Eric Hitchmo isn't here. Because you know what he'd say? I don't agree with that in the workplace, wouldn't he? Oh, imagine if uh, Eric was a Los Angeles detective. Be a bit weird, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, one final thing, my wife loves you, but I don't agree with that in the workplace, wouldn't it? What's that, Eric? You've given up being a Los Angeles detective and you've started running a hotel in Torquay? Yes! Don't mention the war. I mentioned it once, but I think I got away with it. I don't agree with that in the workplace. <laughs> I don't agree with that in the workplace. Do you not know who Eric Hitchmo is? Who's been to the Coventry Conference? Right. So, do you not know Eric Hitchmo? Well, yeah, but I didn't know he talked like that. Talks exactly like that. But it is like, it's the same thing. I think, take any sitcom character, Basil Fawlty, you know, he, he's got a blind yeah, spot. Alan yeah. Partridge, Homer Simpson. Alan Partridge, yeah. You know, yeah. the vicar of Dibley. Mm -hmm. anything. But I think the difference is one of them's a cartoon, the other ones are three kind yep. of sitcoms. This is kind of the first one to present that blind spot without any kind of contextual clue that it's to be laughed at. So you are in this yeah. weird hinterland, yeah. uh, you know, between laughing and crying and. You know, some of us do both. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But there's Absolutely. another thing, another uh, sort of idiom uh, in, in comedy is is always be specific. Um, and mm. I think what uh, Gervais and Merchant are fantastic at when putting words in David Brent's mouth is picking specific words that he's able to enunciate uh, really yes. funnily. So my, 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 my favourite mm. bit is at the end of... <laughs> Series two, my world does not end with these four walls. You know, Slough's a big place. And when I've finished with Slough, there's Reading, Aldershot, Bracknell. You know, I've got to Didcot, <laughs> Yateley. You know, my Winnersh, Taplow. You know, because I'm my own boss. I can Burfield. You know, and they always pick <laughs> yeah. the funniest sounding words, you know. Some people, yeah. uh, when they think of genius, to say, you know, uh, Newton. You know, uh, I think Milligan, Everett, please. Sessions. Yeah, it's just the way right. the, the the meal that he can make of these words, and and it's yeah, it's kind of like something that Partridge does so well, and why Alan Partridge is mm. able to survive after you know almost thirty years of being. I mean, by this point, maybe it's over thirty years, but by the by, yes. it's the specificity yeah, right. of, of Partridge that keeps him going because every detail mm. they pick is so on point for the character that we know, and it's the same with Brent. Yeah. Every single thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, in the um, in the quiz episode when uh, when oh man which... that that's probably one of my oh, favourites. But yeah, go on. When um, go when on. Finchie's chewing him out at the end, forgetting the the name of the Cuban leader who's been in power since 1959. Wrong. Who did you say? Who did you say? <laughs> Fidel Castro. No, you say yeah. that now. You know. Who did you say in the moment? And there's a big long yeah. pause. Frey Bentos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, you're absolutely right. That was that was the thing that I loved. Is it was a lot of the um, his performance, like you said, his mannerisms, yeah. the nervous energy, um, and it was like something I kind of 
I thought was a really interesting acting choice and writing choice for the character was um was how kind of spiteful he mm. turned if as soon as the joke turned on yeah. him yeah like and the way Gervais would kind of say like his retort with yeah. a bit of venom or a bit of bite but like I think even like the pilot like he says he's making jokes at Dawn's yeah. expense yeah. and then as soon as he turns away she says something under her breath and he goes what was that yeah. what was that you know the way he does that he goes oh is it yeah like you know, he says stuff like that, where it's like just that little <laughs> bit of like venom at the end of it, and you're like, "Oh, that's like it's quite interesting." Like he's just very bitter, yeah. and you're like, "Mate, it's okay. Like take a joke." Shame. But the way he does that, yeah, shame. Like yeah, just the way he says certain mm. words like that, where you kind of it's a really interesting choice. But it says a lot about the character again. Like this, something that Gervais talked about in the interview was like his neediness. Yeah, yeah. And like he, like he needs to be the guy making the yeah. joke, but as soon as that he's the butt yeah. of it. He doesn't like it, and he gets all like, mm, and gets all like spiteful. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, really, really. I funny. don't like nicknames. Yeah, nicknames are yeah. <laughs> bad names. Yeah, yeah. And the toad is the ugliest of the amphibians. And then he like, he goes up to Keith and goes, "Look at him! At least start on him. And he's got glasses yeah. too. You know, <laughs> Four start eyes. on him before going on to yeah. Mister Toad. Toad. But I think, it, it, but even that kind of like plays into Brett. Brett, so Brent yeah. is desperate to present himself as this sort of um, revolutionary yeah. comedian, uh, and every mm. single time he is the butt of a joke, or he is mm. around someone like Finchie or Neil, who are men to which he aspires, who have that self possession and confidence to get laughs and mm. take charge of a room. He is so insecure yeah. that he puts on this bravado, but as soon as there is the slightest challenge to that image that he's got for himself, like you say, he becomes mm. spiteful and bitter and lashes out. Like when mm. uh, when it's the um, I I forget the character's name but the the one of the Swindon lot the Welsh lady it's her birthday yes and she's going around mm. kissing everyone and he and he's talking to her and uh, almost asking why yeah. not him and she's like oh well you know you've let yourself go a bit haven't you and he goes I've let myself go look at you love you're a disgrace yeah he just it's, it's that sort of venom yeah, yeah. and you're like whoa <laughs> all right and he um or even when like I loved when he sat in the room with all the Swindon and he's like like. <laughs> You know, hands up. Do you like me or yeah, or him yeah. better? And they, and just without reserve, they're all just like we we like Neil. And he's like, that's mental. That and just the way mental. he says mental. That is mental. And like you said, it's yeah. it's all these kind of decisions <laughs> that they make. Like you said, there's the specific uh, specific specific. Oh, I'm tripping over that word. <laughs> Shouldn't have had that whiskey. Um, <laughs> it's been a long day. Um, but anyway, yeah, that, like you said that those choices mm. they make for that character, genius. Mm. Just it adds to that that sort of level to the point where you can hear a quote mm. or something and you immediately go, yeah, that's yeah, David Brown, yeah. and that, and that's a mark of a good character, yeah. you know, whether it's a Michael Scott, a Leslie Nope, you know, a JD, Doctor Cox, all these characters that we've talked about, um, you know, Seinfeld, a Joey, whatever. It's it's the way the characters are written and performed in such mm-hmm. a way that, like you said, you can instantly go, yeah, yeah, I know who yeah. that is, and that makes to their their legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's brilliant. And, and one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and we've kind of danced around it anyway, and that Gervais brought out, and I thought was a really good comment. And again, another reason why I believe it's ahead of its time is that they mentioned, and him and Merchant mentioned, that they kind of noticed there was this woke PC culture that was really at, at the beginning of its um, its stages. Mm. Not not to the, the extent that we know now. Like Again, what as someone who's worked in a corporate environment like yourself, I find myself watching the show going like, yeah, there's no way. Away <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 
you know, there's some of the comments that people make, but he, he, he explains it in a way that I thought was genius. He said, as Brent wants to be loved by everybody. Mm-hmm. And because of this culture that was coming up, this PC culture in the workplace, it meant that there was this divide, mm-hmm. you know, that you had like the corporate world where people were keeping up to date and, you know, the certain rules and how you speak, but down in kind of like, and they, they, they represent this very well, the warehouse. Oh, crew, yeah, just yeah. These boisterous lads that are just full of filth and like these really horrible misogynistic racist jokes horrible man and david wants to be the best of both he wants to go and have a laugh with the lads in the warehouse and but then it's like he's also aware that he's on camera and that the corporate people are with him his boss is with him and he has so he has to behave and i thought that was such an interesting observation and such a Again, something that's so ahead of its mm-hmm. time. Yeah, and I think what I noticed watching it again this time was that I think he, he kind of functions as someone who, like you say, he kind of wants to be an ally, and, and he's trying, I feel like, mm. when he's up in the office as opposed to the warehouse, he, he's trying to... I, I think he sees himself as someone who, you know, is, 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 is he'd probably say colourblind and you know, mm. um, non, non-sexist and, you know, inclusive and intersectional. Um, but he's, he's so beholden to this old school um, ethos. Mm. And the fact that he, lo- he looks up to Finchie, who is the worst person in the world. Like in, in, yeah. the, in the documentary on the DVD <laughs> that I watched, that they, uh. they were saying that everyone in the office is sympathetic apart from Finchie, who's just a bully. Um, so Finch yeah. is the one that he looks up to and that he wants to be, and he's the most, you know, re- regressive, horrible, ugh, lecherous creep. But I think mm. in, in a more insidious way, and this is what I picked up on this time, is that the, the, the man who David Brent is the most jealous of, Neil, because he has that smoothness and coolness that Brent isn't, he's just as bad, but just in a much more palatable, smooth way. He, he kind of... He will. He, mm. He's obviously very close to Finchie from the start when you first meet him, and you see that he is... Um, uh, equally happy to jump on with with Chris's jokes, but he just sort of does so with a, a posher accent mm. and a more handsome face. Yeah. And he he's yeah. he's a nasty he, he's a nasty piece of work, isn't he? <laughs> I think he is quite a nasty piece of work. I, there is a toxic culture. I think you're right. And weirdly enough, yeah. um, I think the, the the moment that I think does count as David Brent's redemption, and who knows if it will continue or not chances are he'll, mm. he'll go back to the way he was before but the the moment where he, mm. he redeems himself in the eyes of the camera crew is when he uh, in the christmas special when he tells finchie to f off which is one of the most yeah. punch the air satisfying moments because he's finally mm. he's gone from being permissive uh, about their their you know uh, unpleasant worldview and, and, and sort of victimizing jokes to being like no enough of that that's the end of that yeah I ju- it's so interesting you say that because um about uh, just everything there is yeah I, I thought it was like yeah that's that's his moment where he finally mm-hmm. stands up to to chris finch and as you said it's not quite a full redemption no, no, it's, it's, it's not enough swearing at someone <laughs> but but it's but it's it's an it's a it start it's a change in it's, it's, in it's him working and yeah. walking away yeah and, and like you said with neil I, there's something that caught me off guard because I, I forgot what it was that triggered him to do that to say that to mm. finch and it was finch's nasty yeah. offhand comment about the really lovely woman carol, that came to lovely lovely carol, carol who was she, yeah she was so mm. sweet and and lovely um and and quite a, a beautiful mm. woman and was like just down to earth and then he's like and he makes a comment basically calls her a mm. dog and i'm like oh that's horrible but yeah. 
But you're right. Something I'd, I'd noticed and what you just brought out was, yeah, that Neil just kind of mm, chuckles yeah, along yeah. with him. And I was like, hang on a minute. And I hadn't picked up on that before. I was like, yeah, how come he yeah. doesn't sort of go, whoa, hang on, that's not all yeah. right. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. It's it's true. There is, And again, it's it's even like the, the pilot episode I noticed with the warehouse lot when one of them just makes some, re- I can't remember what he says, but he says something really grotesque to, um, I can't, what's the lady's Gen- name? Jennifer. Yeah. Jennifer. Yeah, Jennifer. And I remember thinking at the time, I was like watching it back now. I'm like, yeah, not a chance. Like if you try, if, you, if someone did that now, like I yeah. think about the previous job I worked in, if the female boss that I knew who was the equivalent of Jennifer heard that from somebody in that capacity, that's like instant dismissal. Yeah. Like, you're, no, pack your bags, yeah. you're gone. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting the way they played that and Definitely. wrote it out of like, she wasn't really, pa- she couldn't really do anything about it other than yeah. just walk yeah. away. And so again, it's, it's an interesting comment that, Gervais and, and Merchant sort of picked up on of like, like you said, there's this culture mm-hmm. going around at this time. There's a change in the air. And it's really fascinating. The David Brent character for the longest time tries to <laughs> sort of seep <laughs> his way into the middle. Yeah. You know, and it, again, I, I agree with you for that, for that point of view, humanistic yeah. and an interesting look at behavior and drama. So yeah, I, I didn't think we'd go down this road actually <laughs> talking about this show so far, but it's, it's been really interesting and it's, yeah, I think, I think so there's so much more to his character mm. than people realize. Definitely, I think. It, 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 there's that ambivalence at the heart of it all. No one is, no one is fully good. No one is fully bad. Like no, no one's um, a, a handsome, mm. uh, you know, John Krasinski American quarterback. They're all sort of deeply <laughs> flawed. Kind of, they they look like people that you will mm. see in a real office. They've got bags under their eyes. They're a little bit pudgy. Uh, they're all. Mm. E- even even you know even not to get too ahead of ourselves, but even even Tim, who is the you know, I guess the nearest thing to a hero in the series, he gets humiliated mm. regularly. You know, he, he's often the butt of jokes yeah. and he's often physically yeah. overpowered and uh, romantically humiliated, mm. I think, three times in the, in the series. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think one of the crucial things about this show is, is how much it uh, embraces that ambivalence. And, and Brent is such a fascinating mm. um, embodiment of that idea. And I, I actually, I hadn't, I heard the quote that you mentioned that, that Gervais talked about this rising uh, sort of PC culture and um, and mm. the sort of the changing tides in the workplace. So it is interesting to see Brent as the intersection of that. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of subtlety to that part of the discussion. Big time, big time. Yeah. And, and yeah, I just, I think in that sense, it's very, it works very well as an mm. observational piece of mm-hmm. comedy. Um, and like you said, it, Something else that stood out to me more about the scenery. This is going to sound harsh, but <laughs> have you ever been to Slough? <laughs> no, my my girlfriend used to live near Slough actually, and she has nothing but nice right. things to say about it. <laughs> Maybe I'll just leave no, it there. no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I may have been uh, so sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> so, because something I noticed, like, like I thought about, like, why did they pick mm. Slough? And they talk about it a bit in the documentary. I think there's a really good talking head with Tim saying about like what the nightlife yes, is like yes. around. Yeah. It's, it's very yeah. funny. <laughs> and like you said, it, the fact that everything's so grey and drab and concrete. And I had that image in my head. So a long time ago, um, or a few years back, really, I was I used to work all over the place. And um, I spent a day in Slough. And I, I had the image of like the office in my head. I remember, thinking, like, I remember thinking on the drive down, like, I wonder if it's really like <laughs> the way they make it yeah. look in the show folks i was not disappointed <laughs> it was <laughs> it's a lot of gray 
There is a lot of grey in Slough. So when you're watching the show, again, I think that's just another thing that makes it feel mm-hmm. grounded and real, is like the people, the setting, yeah. all of it. I'm like, yep, that is exactly what an office would look yeah. like in Slough. In Slough. Or like the nightclubs when they go out, you're like, yeah, oh that's exactly God. what they look like yeah. in Slough. Like it's it's just it's to a T. I think it it adds to the kind of realism and just the feel of the show. So even that, I, I mm-hmm. applaud them. Yeah. With. Come bombs fall on Slough. It isn't fit for humans now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Talking more about characters, I mean, you've mentioned mm-hmm. him already, and I think it's great to talk about him. He's second build in INDB's list, which is unsurprising given mm-hmm. the career. And that is uh, the character of Tim Canterbury, played by... The man with the greatest "Are you kidding me?" face in all of Hollywood, Martin Freeman. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about Tim. Go on, Tim Canterbury, the Canterbury Tales. Indeed, Chaucer. <laughs> yeah, Chaucer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love. It's mad to think one of their mos when casting this show was that it had to be complete unknowns mm. because probably of all of them, Martin Freeman's probably had the the biggest cultural footprint. Because he, he obviously yeah. was Watson in Sherlock, mm. he was um, Bilbo Baggins in, in Lord of the Rings, uh, sorry, The Hobbit rather. You know, he was in, he was in the MCU. He might still be I in the MCU. I think he forget, is. Yeah. Uh, what happened to his yeah. character? Yeah. So he's like he's he's had such a long life, and for good reason. He's a fantastic mm. actor. But no, I love I love I loved him. What I love about Tim is that he he is kind of the that the handsome, cocky little, mm. you know, uh, cheeky chancer of the mm. office. But I think there are so many things in the show that remind you that he is cock of the walk in a very limited environment. Yeah, big um, fish, small pond kind of he, thing. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But even within that small pond, he is, he's still routinely brought down to size. Yeah. Um, mm. I think he, he's, he sells his uh, infatuation with... Infatuation makes it sound one-sided. He sells his feelings for Dawn so yeah. well in a non-verbal sense. One of the things that... Um, I think Stephen mentioned Stephen mentioned Stephen Merchant mentioned in the documentary was that because uh, people aren't going to do anything that they wouldn't normally do in front of cameras, Tim and Dawn aren't able to make any more overt gestures uh, as regards their feelings. So mm-hmm. every single brush, every single physical contact is loaded with like what he called a Victorian <laughs> sort of um, significance because yeah. like a, a brush on the shoulder or a pat on the head, uh, you know. You see the longing in their eyes when, when they when they come into those moments, and mm. it's so well cultivated and developed. But there is, I think, beneath all of it, there is a sadness to Tim. Yeah. Like uh, we, we mentioned earlier, you said one of your favorite episodes, certainly my favorite episode, the quiz mm. uh, episode three of series one. That's Tim's thirtieth birthday, and it opens with Tim sitting in an empty office because he got there early because his mum woke him up to give him his. 30th birthday yeah. present hat fm <laughs> that's right <laughs> i've forgotten about that i was just like what is that on his head it's yeah. so good i love how dawn uh, says can i can i have this when you're done with it when are you going to be yeah. done with it it's such a really cute like schoolyard flirtatious thing yeah. to say um but yeah i mean like i said he, he's sort of contextually cocksure but he there is a real sadness and emptiness beneath mm. it all he you know he, he still he lives at home still he says in the christmas special that he's got no friends really mm. um he's he a few times in the series he, he tries to capitalize on the clear connection that he's got with dawn and she 
you know shuts him down in various different ways in front of the camera yeah. um uh and, and it's yeah it, it's sad and there's there's one of my favorite in fact my, my favorite side character is uh, simon the it guy played by matt holdness oh, that's such a <laughs> I, again i totally forgot that character existed but yeah. wow what a cameo <laughs> Oh, he is just no. I've seen. I haven't seen Chuck Norris fight uh, Bruce Lee in Enter yeah. the Dragon. I've seen Chuck Norris fight Bruce Lee in Way of the I love Dragon. a good um actually character, and he's like <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. one of the best ones. He's, yeah. he's in it for yeah. two minutes. They said uh, but yeah. They said they said no professionals. They said I'm not a professional. Yeah. They said what? They said I'm not a professional. Well, you Bruce Lee is actually not dead. Um, Did you but... know that? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's when he says that that. Yeah. Tim, trying to impress his new girlfriend, one of the Swindon mm. lot, he says, oh yeah, because of course um, t- to get someone to infiltrate the triads, they would hire the most famous uh, you know, a- Asian movie yeah. star and then uh, they left together and then Simon, he says the most withering thing he says, oh, gone off dawn, have yeah. you? And that immediately rattles mm. him and that immediately throws him off his game mm. and all that cool and flirtatious calm that he had is completely mm. gone when, it, when he, he just, what? Shut up! Yeah. Shut, shut up! And I just love that that the show is able to put this the ostensible hero, the sort of romantic lead, in such mm. um, vulnerable positions. Uh, it's it's really it's really it's really sweet, and yeah, I think Martin Freeman just absolutely smashes it. He does. Uh, he, he knocks it out of the park in his. He does. He's even that like moment. I think it might be in the season two or the early ones where he he talks about how he wants to go back to university or he just wants, he wants to change a scene mm. he wants to like do something with his yeah. life because as you re- as you say like the, the kind of reveal is like oh he's a guy in his 30s now living at home in a dead-end job yeah and yeah. then like you know he gets the opportunity to to leave he keeps saying i'm gonna leave and he doesn't because he gets uh, a job offer which is like a little bit more money and then he yeah. suddenly, like, for a split second, almost changes his whole personality and, like, the flirtiness with Dawn stops and all of that. And yeah. it's very kind of yeah. like, oh, Tim, what are you doing? And you kind yeah. of realise, you, you sort of realise he's one of those guys that he, he does need a bit of a kick up the arse to do something with his mm. life. It's for, for all of his yeah. talk, for all of his fun and bravado, it's like, it's a very, like you said, they put him in a very vulnerable position, which yeah. is very interesting for that kind of character. Mm. There's a really heartbreaking bit at the end of series one that I, I think now now I'm a bit older watching it with the context of a few years of office work under my belt. I, I, I sort of feel these punches a bit more. Mm. Um, it's when, uh, after he, he hands, he's noticing, and, and like you say, he says he's going to go back to university, get a psychology degree, change his career. And there's a talking head of Dawn where she's saying, uh, Tim, Tim's always said to me, you know, better to be at the bottom of a ladder you want to climb instead of midway through That's a ladder you don't right. want to climb. And then that comes back at the end when they're at the at the uh, uh, quarterly is it the end end of end of financial year party yes. or something at the end of series yeah. one, and uh, Tim tells Dawn that he's not going. He's actually taken a job as a senior sales rep for five hundred pounds a year more. Mm. And in the background, you've got "I'm Not in Love" by Ten CC playing, mm. and Dawn says to him, "What about the what about the ladder? What about the ladders?" And then mm. Tim says, "Oh well, you know, there's sort of not." It's not a unilateral, and he starts pulling out all this bread yeah. speak, and, 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 and he shows, mm. I think in that moment you kind of see this image that Dawn had of Tim as this man with dreams and hopes and who's going to do something about them. You see part of that dwindle in her eyes, mm. I think, and it's, it's, um, it's goddamn sad. I hadn't quite appreciated just how sad that moment is and, and the, the way that all the, 
the, the, the song that they choose in the background, the way it's filmed, the way it lingers on Dawn's face as she realises, oh, this man that I sort of looked up to a lot, he's a bit of a disappointment. And then, then like you say, at start of series two, he's a different guy for the first bit. He's a bit of a narc, mm. isn't he? A bit of a, a bit of a sellout. I'm not, I'm not. So when are you leaving me? Um, well, it probably won't be for quite a while. I, autumn? Um, probably not. I thought you wanted to go back to university and everything. Oh, yeah, I will, but there's a, a slight bit of a change of plan. Oh, right. David's made me senior sales clerk. Oh, wow. Um, I thought you wanted to, like, be a psychologist. Oh, yeah, 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 but uh, senior sales clerk is, um... Well, uh, well, it's 500 quid guaranteed extra a year, uh, and if I do a bit of networking, then there's every chance I could be in David's chair in three years, so. And, and um, um, all that talk about, like, getting on, getting, moving on in the world. No, it's like moving up. Yeah, moving up. And yeah. moving up can mean uh, within an internal ladder framework or uh, sideways to external then up. Uh, you know, you've got to look at the whole pie. Vis-a-vis uh, -vis my current life situation, you know. Vis-a-vis... <laughs> Which means, of course, that my old job is free. So, you know, have a word. <laughs> he is, and it's, it's funny you say that, because I think that lends into the reasons as to why... Dawn doesn't necessarily go for Tim mm. because mm -hmm. you, part of this, and it is a, it's a frustrated romance, and that we talk about this a lot actually in previous episodes, if you've got the will-they-won't-they they characters. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, this is a good example of that. But I think it's, it's, it's where I think this show does layers within layers because the character of Lee, I'm just going to find who plays in a second, Joel Beckett, does an amazing job, I think, of just playing this unrelenting jerk <laughs> like it's I've, it really dawned on me especially yeah. in the christmas episode yeah. i was like they they dialed oh, yeah. this guy's personality up to 11 like he's so yeah like he it, he takes her for granted on every conceivable oh, level absolutely like anyone you can think of in a, in a relationship that matters every single one he just disregards her and so you you as mm -hmm. the audience are going yeah. like a screaming you're kind of like get with tim like he loves you he yeah. thinks you're great you have fun together <laughs> he supports your dreams but you're right in that moment at the end of that episode you you can kind of you could see her leaving or, or like you know breaking up with mm -hmm. Lee and going with him but when he says that and when he starts doing all of those like you said those brent mannerisms and kind of that that mm -hmm. shift yeah. i think like you said that that hope is like kind of what i see die in her eyes in that moment of like oh mm -hmm. you're not you're, you're just like Lee, you're just like David, like all these guys that talk a big game. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's part of her character, played wonderfully by Lucy Davis, of like... Oh, just, yeah, the most charming So charming, but so <laughs> sad. And in the same way of like, yeah. I think she has a whole talking head about dreams and about that's what they mm -hmm. are. And she starts crying and you just feel for her and you're kind of like... Oh, yeah. But again, that's that's part of that really interesting interplay between her and Tim is like, she's hanging her hopes, I think, on him a little bit. And so when he does kind of, like you said, let her down almost by sort of mm -hmm. not living up to it, you, you can see why that puts their relationship back mm. by so many years. Yeah. 
you know, he, he ends up, yeah. he, he's kind of responsible for that. Again, I think this show is so dense in its, in its characters mm-hmm. and, and what it does with it. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, he cares for them all so much because mm. it's not an easy, it's not a, a, a simple kind of archetypal uh, dynamic they have. There's, there's, there's so much back and forth yeah. going on. And, and you get the sense that in that moment, in her eyes, Tim is, is, is very much tied to Slough and it's always going to be a symbol mm. of the way that Slough can hold you back. So in the second series, when Lee starts talking about going to America, even though they're going to live with his sister and she's going to get the same job over there, it's still the kind of Change scene. Know, f- yeah. huge move yeah. that she feels that she has yep. to make. Um, you know, But then she's still being held back by a horrible, mediocre yeah. man. And what I love is how in, in the, the sort of the, the, the scenes of um, Lee, and, Lee and Dawn together, she's so, she's so funny and she's so sarcastic and she says these witticisms under her breath that you know, Tim laughs at or if Tim isn't there that we, the audience, laugh at, uh, that Lee is just completely oblivious yeah. of. And, and you know that he's... <laughs> he's what, a, what, a, what, a, what a piece of work. I know, you know? He, yeah. he, he, He's not giving her what she needs and... He's, he's, it caught really yeah. cracked me up about his character, in particular, particularly in like the last few, like the last couple bits in the Christmas special. Was like, and I found it like really frustrating, but kind of a really funny writing choice. Was like, he's somebody that is constantly talking about money and about like he wants to live on mm. the cheap all the time, but he doesn't seem to have any serious yeah. work ethic or drive or ambition. So no. I'm just kind of like, <laughs> that's the worst of both. Like you can understand someone being frugal, yeah. being you know careful, but it's not like he's investing or doing anything with it. He's no. just he's just being a cheapskate. And again, he, yeah. He, he's, yeah, it's like you said, this this theme of like holding back your dreams and your ambitions. Mm. And of course, it makes it all the more satisfying when her and and uh, Tim do end up together at oh, the end. That's a bit I felt misty eyed yeah. at, especially when oh, she she unwraps. The watercolors in the yeah. car, and I'll, I'll say I'll say this: okay. that, that hit me on a personal level because I'm someone who's mm-hmm. lucky enough to be married to someone who's a very gifted artist, um, mm-hmm. and who has turned her art actually into a little business. Am underscore pet portraits for your pet portrait needs. <laughs> now I've never I've never shouted her out on the show, but I will now because that moment got me because I bought her a, yeah. a, a, a color set. Um, going back a couple of years ago and when she opened it up for the t- first time last year in the pandemic and started painting with it it's it's a great moment when you love somebody and you see mm-hmm. them embrace their art um mm-hmm. and, I'm, yeah. and i'm sure she yeah, tolerates absolutely. me bashing around on my six strings so you know like it was one of those moments when i thought well done whoever put that in who wrote that moment of like he yeah. gets her that color and that watercolor set yeah. and of course that's the catalyst for her to go back to him because it's such a meaningful moment and it's that moment of, mm-hmm. you know, he still believes in her. Even if Tim is stuck in Slough, if he's stuck mm-hmm. in this job, it's that lovely little nugget of him just saying, like, I still believe in you. And it yeah. got yeah. me. <laughs> it's, it's, that, that whole, there's, um, <laughs> just to, 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 to make a, a belaboured comparison now, there's um, one of my favourite films is Jaws. Uh, Hell the, yes, the, the big fans Jaws. here. <laughs> oh yeah, but the part in Jaws when uh, the head comes out from the hull of the boat scares the bejesus out of me more than anything oh, else in in cinema. And the first time I ever saw it, it I, I hit the roof, but every subsequent time, I, I, my heart starts beating earlier and earlier in the film because I know mm. it's about to come. And I have the same reaction to the office Christmas party. Uh, there's about 20 minutes at the end of the 
the second part of the of the Christmas mm-hmm. special. This all set at the office, and as soon as we cut to the night time with the disco going on and everyone dancing, my heart starts to go because I'm waiting yeah. for the moment. And the bit that sets me off, it's it's just before. I mean, I'm crying by the time <laughs> the she unwraps the secret Santa gift. But the thing that gets me is when she's sitting behind the the desk, and I think. Uh, Two become one by the Spice Girls. By the way, the music oh, yeah. choice in the Christmas yeah. special is spectacular for, for a particular time and place. Mm. But, you know, generally great pop songs. Yeah, they are. So, um, <laughs> she's. She's. <laughs> she, <laughs> <laughs> she's sitting behind the behind the reception desk and and you can just hear the the, the longing in his voice to to drag this moment out mm. as much as he can yeah it's like, oh have you got to go Lee, have you, Lee have you says, like, mm. you're like you're like well, say yeah. something tim do yeah. something and mm. lee, lee says we've got to go now and, and he goes to get a coat and the, and, yeah. the thing, and the song changes to back for good by take that which is just a song that mm. <laughs> wrenches my heart and there's um the the moment i always think of that kind of crystallizes freeman's performance is when like you say, the sort of doing, oh, so uh, keep in touch, you know, and they're sort of just trying to awkwardly drag the moment out. And then he hugs her and there's a bit when the camera is, um, it's they're hugging and you see the back of the door and you see Tim's head over her shoulder and he kind of opens his eyes wide and goes, yeah. and exhales. And you can see that he's doing everything he can to steal himself in that moment and to, to sort of keep himself from saying or doing anything that could ruin this mm. moment and then as she and lee walk out uh tim watches them go hoping against all hope that she turns back and looks at him and of course she doesn't because if she does then she would mm. know that she had to stay with him and she's trying to tell herself at that point that she's got to go with lee mm. so that that the point when tim well the point that <laughs> back for good comes on really is when i start to mm. cry but um, <laughs> watching it again this morning, mate, I, I'm not too proud to admit that I was I was properly sobbing. I was it really, really, I really appreciate oh, just it. how well it layers these things on. Mm. And then, of course, you have the moment, the iconic all time bit when she's gone. You think it's over. You have uh, you have Tim's monologue, which I, I would like to, to read at some point because it's a beautiful bit of writing mm. uh, when Tim, Tim talks about um what dawn meant to him and and you know honestly i never thought it'd have a happy ending because you know what is a happy ending what is an ending yeah, yeah. Uh, and you kind of think okay well damn they, they've, they've done it again they've they've not given us what we want but i suppose that's life and then you have uh that shot of it's david brent um gareth and tim in the foreground and, yeah and david brent's telling them a, he's telling them a riddle yeah. that, that riddle of i can't operate a name is my son have you ever heard? I haven't. That I was I was listening to it. And I was like, "What is he talking about?" Like, I guess a riddle, but I, th- I felt like the joke was that he's probably telling it badly or he's telling it wrong. It, it's it's a famously hacky right. riddle. Like, uh, there's a a, a a doctor and his son are in a car accident. He dies. The son gets rushed to hospital straight away. Mm. Uh, when the when the doctor comes in, they say, "Oh, I can't operate on him. He's my son." How? You know, and the idea uh, is okay. It's playing mm. on. Uh, gender expectations yeah. that his mother is also a doctor yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway that's 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 by the by i'm i'm rambling um but that's that's going on in the foreground and then what i think is just absolutely beautiful about how this scene plays is the camera doesn't immediately draw attention to dawn that's in the background. right yeah you see her she appears in the yeah. background and she she's scanning the room looking mm, for tim for mm. a little bit and it's left to the viewer to find her and then, of course, we zoom in and you get that moment when they kiss and, and like Tim kind of reaches to hold her as if to say, you know, I hope this is real. Please let this be mm. real. And it's just the most satisfying 
thing. It's it's so yeah. true. I, that's something I noticed. The chemistry was really mm. solid, and um, I mean, even long before then, there's a moment I think it might have been the previous Christmas episode. I think in like season two or something. Um, yeah, I think it's season two when she's doing like the pound mm. for a kiss kind of, which has yes. some great comedy throughout yeah. the episode. But when she kisses him, it was just that I was like, whoa. Like, I just remember thinking like, yeah. oh, there's, they sold that really well. That's just, if yeah. you're watching it and you're like, <laughs> oh, that, that's like, you're just like watching a, a married couple. Like the tension between them is just so like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. Um, and I thought, yeah, it's, it's moments like that between the two of them. Like they said that they sell really mm. well and so like it leads up to that really satisfying moment of just like you're happy that they found each other and that they're together and, and like i said not just because all oh, they flirt and they get on but because they believe in each other and i think that's a really mm. sweet lovely sort of center to have at this at this relationship and what makes it such mm-hmm. a great will they won't they it's because you know they'll be good for each other you know that they will believe yeah. in each other and, and support each other and like like tim's you know ultimate gesture is for her art I like to think that when that when they sort of move on, that she would encourage him to go back to uni and like you know, or, or do something with his life yeah. that's different. And um, and again, Definitely. this is a show that leaves it open ended, like in my opinion, most good sitcoms do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think brilliant. And again, it's it's a wonderful relationship. It's one of the best ones. Um, the other relationship, of course, that Tim has is with Gareth. And I cannot decide which one I love more, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. As, as someone who loves pranks and loves practical jokes and messing with his mates, it speaks to me, the level that he just gets He gets with... Um, and, of course, the US office is great for to doing it with Dwight because we get more more yeah. time to play with. Yeah, but this, yeah. th- their relationship is... Oh, my goodness me. It's so good. Mackenzie Crook, what an absolute legend as, as Gareth Keenan. What a find, I know. What I, I found out watching the, the documentary, the making of again today, was that um, they originally envisioned the character as being uh, sort of a, 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 a bigger, more stern-looking guy. I guess mm. more in the in the in the mould of Ryan um, Brown Wilson, is it? He plays Rain uh, Dwight. Yeah. Rain Wilson, yeah. sorry, yeah. Someone a bit bigger and stockier mm. like him. But then Mackenzie Crook came in. Stephen Merchant was initially unsure, but I think he he did such a good job of convincing them that they thought. Okay, I think well, it's better. We'll allow. I think this. it's better that yeah. you've got a scrawny guy, yeah, who is just <laughs> yeah. desperately clinging for any kind of power. Or th- I think it adds to it. It just makes it that much better. Because something I wanted to talk about, and I'm sure you picked up on this as well, was like, yeah, he's got the same thing. He's very similar to Brent in his cat, in that mm-hmm. he just talks nonsense. Or like says stuff that you're like, what? But as soon as he's challenged, he doesn't go like Brent and get nasty and and start, you know, he he just kind of quietly backs down because because he's not got the stature or the authority to kind of, he's just this scrawny guy who's assistant to the regional manager. So he knows he doesn't have any real power. (laughs) And so the moments where like Tim just pushes him and is like, what are you going to do? Or like, you know, you can't find me. He just very quietly backs off. And I love the way that he plays that. It's like he just sort of resigns himself to defeat. <laughs> like, yeah. It's really funny. Bless him. <laughs> he's, uh, he sees himself as king of a very, very small castle. Exactly. Especially reminded that he's... Uh, one of my favourite uh, Gareth bits mm. is when he's, he's trying to flirt with uh, with Rachel, who, who's one of the new girls from Sweden oh, in, in series two. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's telling her about playing top trumps together. And he's saying, I know everyone. You'll never defeat me. <laughs> <laughs> you, so you won't win. Still be fun. <laughs> yeah, 
I played for hours and hours in my room. Um, <laughs> every single permutation, every so I know based on what I've got in my hand, what you've got in your hand, so you could never win. It's such a great bit because you're like, it's so funny, but it's so tragic at the same time. Like you just, yeah, you, you learn. It's one again, one of those moments where you just you learn everything you need to learn about that character in one sentence. You're like, mm. oh, yeah. okay, that's you're that kid, yeah, yeah. you're that weird kid that like, <laughs> yeah, your yeah. parents were like. Oh, Go on, play with Gareth. I don't want to, Mum. You know, like... <laughs> Bless him. Okay, see ya. Gareth Keenan. Who's that? Oggy! Oggy, oggy, oggy. Oink, oink, oink. Oggy, oggy, oggy. Oink, oink, oink. Oggy. Oggy. Oggy, oggy, oggy. Oink, oink, oink. <laughs> yeah, see you later. Do you still keep in touch with Oggy? There was Oggy just then. Was it? How is he? He's fine, you don't even know him. No, I wish I did, he sounds great. He is, actually. Mm. One thing, Gareth, when you're on the phone, could you keep the pig impersonations down to a minimum? Yeah, here we go. I've told you before, you can't tell me what to do. I'm team leader. Well, actually, Gareth, I'm senior sales rep, so yes, I can. Uh, team leader beats senior sales rep. No, 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 it doesn't. My job title actually means something, Gareth, yeah? Uh, got a pay rise, I'm on a new scale. Team leader doesn't mean anything, mate. Excuse me, it means I'm leader of a team. No, it doesn't. It, it's a title someone's given you to get you to do something they don't want to do for free, right? It's like making the div kid at school milk monitor. No one respects it. Uh, I think they do. No, they don't, Gareth. Uh, yes, they do, because if people were rude to me, then I used to give them their milk last, so it was warm. There's something, um, my girlfriend is not a huge fan of the English version of the mm -hmm. other. She, she thinks it's mean-spirited and, and, and quite... Oh, and, same my end, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, she, she walked in when I was watching an episode the other day, and it's, I, think, I think it was uh, the training day one, mm. the fourth episode of series okay. one, when Lee and Dawn uh, briefly break up, and Gareth um, says to her, hey, hey cheer up, um, Monkey Allen down in the warehouse says, they'll still do you if nobody else wants yeah. to, so... And, oh. and they, that's sort of played like Gareth, you've cut it up. But my girlfriend said he was, you know, he's trying to help. Yeah. <laughs> he did it wrong, but he was trying to help, and that made me think, oh gosh, now I feel, now I feel no, guilty. This, this, no, this, this no, guy. no, sorry, sorry, no offense, but it's that, that's a very lovely way of looking at it. But no, the whole I, I agree with yeah, you. That the whole yeah. thing with his character that just gets me through time is he just like Brent again. He just constantly puts yeah. his foot in it or just says stuff that you're like, yeah, yeah, like um. There's that moment where Tim breaks up with... Um, I'm going to find... What, what's the name of that actress? I did see her. Oh, Rachel, Rachel, played by Stacey Roker. Um, Stacey Roker. She's, she's very she's good. Great. Yeah, she's, she's great. Yeah, she's, she's and they, they have that breakup, and it's, it's very like, oh, that's a shame. And then he's got that obnoxious, like, toy thing that's, like, full of gestures, and it's it's, it's like, oh, it's the most cringeworthy... Oh, yeah, no! it's awful. It's so <laughs> annoying. And it goes yeah. off, like, constantly throughout the episode. And it's like, when he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to have to sort this mess out, and he goes to take the toy, and Tim's, like, begging him, like, please, please don't take that. And he just very reluctantly sets it down. And it's just, it's just the fact that... It's just the fact that he argues with him with that and he's like yeah. nope overruled and you're like and you're sat there watching it through your fingers like gareth don't just don't <laughs> yeah, just yeah. don't you're only going to make this worse yeah gareth, exactly and only mean she tells him to get stuffed in no uncertain terms anyway yeah. before he can even yeah. say anything it so it's just like he's that kind of character that like yeah he just constantly puts his foot in it 
Yeah. And his obsession with the territorial army, I think, is just adorable. <laughs> Again, it's that whole thing of a scrawny guy grasping for authority and power. Yeah, absolutely. And even like when he's got his phone holster. Or even I, I noticed in the pilot, there's a really funny moment where like Brent calls a meeting and they all in together. Again, I'll be spicing in clips, mm. but there's just that bit where he he's like, you know, oh, I'm team leader, so you, sh- you should tell me first. And he's like, well, everyone's here. Like, I'll just tell you, I'll just tell you all you can hear. Yeah, but I, I need to hear yeah. first. And it was like that, that desperate, like, yeah. But, yeah. But, 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 but I need to be. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's really well played. It's very, very fun. Okay. Um, thanks for coming in. Um, this will take a minute. Uh, right, I am aware of the rumours that have been circulating and I just want to take this opportunity to put the record straight. Yeah, uh, I'm team leader. I should know first. Yeah, I'm telling everyone now. Yeah, right, so. just tell me very quickly. Just whisper it to me. Can you just, just tell it? Yeah, 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 yeah. all right. All right, should I tell him? You don't know what it is? All right, you tell him, then my permission. I need your permission. Permission granted. Use as you wish. There is something, I think, with with Brent, he, he's he's presenting himself as as this person that deep down he knows he's yeah. not. I think the difference with Gareth is that he genuinely believes that he is this person. Yes. He does see himself. Yeah. And what I do like about the show is, as much as the show does invite us to laugh mm. at him, he does get a fe- much like Tim gets regularly embarrassed. Gareth gets regular wins. Like he does. He, yeah. He's the he's the only one apart from Finch. He's the only one who pulls that chases when they go on their night out. He goes <laughs> home with that woman and her husband on their motorbike I, again. <laughs> forgot that happened it was just it's just yeah. his little face when he's in the sidecar and he goes past you're just like oh okay yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's like, and i like as well when uh tim does a solid behind gareth's back when he suggests that he take over yeah. as office yeah. manager uh, as, as, as as the it's nice as the it's boss. nice isn't it yeah it's just yeah. like no he, he genuinely wants it more and yeah and i, and I yeah. think the thing that works as well with his character is you've got tim as the straight man you know, mm-hmm. so Tim's the guy that will call him out and say like you're being ridiculous, and yeah, and again, yeah. it it doesn't. He never turns spiteful. He never gets bitter like Brent. He just kind of no, either backs down or just kind of shrugs it off because he's like whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And it's fun. Yeah. And I also enjoy the little tidbit. I'm sure you know this that apparently Mackenzie Crook, because his haircut is one of the fiercest bowl cuts you'll ever see in all of television yeah. and apparently like he did that the day before filming like just went into a barber and was like what's the most unflattering haircut you can give me and they just went we know just the thing they did it i didn't know yeah that. i heard that and, then she, and i thought that's, that's brilliant. brilliant that's such a good choice it really is yeah it, it really just is. adds it gets layers to these characters i think it's genius yeah it's so yeah. good um i think one of the We've sort of danced around this episode, but what I think the episode that's the best showcase for all of their mm. various predilections and neuroses is the quiz. Oh, definitely. In, uh, yeah. in series one, which is just, I, I think, I, I, I kind of think that the whole thing is a perfect specimen of, of television, but I think episode three is the episode that is just wall to wall, just complete yeah. uh, inspiration. Yeah. And it's just rising to this insane crescendo when <laughs> these two arrogant jerks, Brent and Finch, yeah. get beaten by, you know, the two younger, uh, university-minded, mm. blo- former blockbuster contenders uh, contestants. Mm. And, uh, and, and Finch is in a, he's in a foul mood, yeah. and he finds That's the real quiz. To, <laughs> yeah, he finds a way to somehow <laughs> commandeer their victory and yeah. leverage it against. Uh, I can tell a million things that I'm better than you at. Throw in. 
it's one of my favourite okay. things because it's if, just so petty. You can the show over the yeah. Yeah. It's so petty. And it's the way Brent says, and that's a real quiz, yeah? And that's a real quiz. And the mm. way his voice kind of breaks, like, he, 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 mm. Finchie is the kid uh, in school who is the one who's telling all the naughty jokes in class. Yeah. And David Brent's the one going, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. And taking his laughs for himself kind yeah. of thing. Like, um, Absolutely. And he's, he kind of, he knows that, uh, even in the quiz, like Finchie is the brains of the organisation, but uh, Brent sort of takes his victory as his own. He, same with his comedy, like when he's doing bits in, in The Office, um, Brent is just going, yeah, yeah, that was good as hell. Beat me to it, didn't you? Oh, yeah. funny and uh, handsome. Could kill him. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so this the way it just completely boils over into this playground pettiness when he decides he's going to throw a I shoe. I know. <laughs> <laughs> tickle him, tickle him. Yeah, it's those moments like you said. I was just like, "Oh, you're you're the kid that hangs around the bully," and it's like, "Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's, absolutely, yeah." It's so so funny, um, and that's a real quiz. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a real quiz. quiz. That's, that's a real, real quiz. quiz. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a quote I hear all the time. People say like, "This is yeah. a That's a real yeah. quiz. It's so it's such a great moment. Don't get at him just because they beat you. They beat me. Yes. Yeah. I could give you a list of fifty things I could beat them at. Both of us. Like throwing. No, yeah, good. right. So, landlord of the Lamb Pub in Chichester, yeah, yeah, challenges me to throw one of these little, you know, copper kettles over his pub, right? So I go outside, take off my tie, tie it to the handle. Did you go over? <laughs> Obviously, yeah. That's actually an official uh, territorial army method. If you're in the jungle. So you wouldn't use a tie, obviously, you'd use vines from the trees. Would you use a kettle? No, with the equivalent. Right. <laughs> Coconut. I will throw anything that you choose over this building. If oh. I do it, we win the quiz. New challenge. How does that work? Double or it's quiz. It's a challenge. Yeah. So you choose anything, if you can throw it over, we've won the champagne, and that's it. And that's the real quiz. That was the real quiz. If I do so it, choose one thing. You really are, really are a couple of sad little men, aren't you? Yeah, they're sad little men. He's thrown a kettle over a pub. What have you done? Yeah, it, like you said, that, that is one of the best showcases. I'm trying to find the actor that, that plays the young temp. I can't find him on here. Oh, it is. Um, he, he was in. Uh, um, oh. Because he's in the IT. He's in the IT. Crowd. Oliver. He's in Green Wing as well. Oliver Chris is Oliver called. Chris. Thank you. Yeah, oh, plays, there he is. Plays, yeah. plays Rick, Ricky. As, uh, as Brent refers to Because I, I really like him. and Because um, mm. he's, uh, he's in one of my other favourite TV shows of all time, The IT Crowd. And he plays mm. a similar thing of a guy who is just good at quizzes. Um, and he, yeah, he loses. Yeah. He's the one that loses yeah, who wants to be a millionaire. He's a millionaire, yeah. isn't he? Yes. So, right. yeah, so, so seeing yeah. him in this again, I was like, was he just typecast as young guy that's good at quizzes i don't know but <laughs> yeah. beside the point he's very good in this episode um yeah and like you said it it's it's just brilliant and like the whole quiz i yeah. love the whole mr spock thing again i'll be put a splicing in stuff because that's just the whole thing with david brent going like you know yeah it's that um actually i think you'll find yeah. and again we all know someone we've all been at a pub quiz where there's that one guy Who's like, oh, actually, your question's not quite right. I think you'll find. And yeah. you're just like, mate, shut up. Like, we're, we're all here yeah. playing for like a tenner. Just, it's fine. Or not even prizes. Yeah. In this, it's just pride. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like yeah. you said, it, it makes sense that eventually, from that talking head, that it then devolves into just let's throw a shoe over a roof. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, of course. Of course, we've ended up here. Sure. Why not? <laughs> like Springsteen. Like Springsteen, born to yeah. run the slab yeah. branch. <laughs> It's just like every single oh. uh, grace note. <laughs> What's he ever done? He's thrown a shoe over a roof, mate. What have you yeah, ever done? Yeah, what have you ever done? Yeah. 
and, and I love the whole thing as well. Like, I think it's it might be that episode um, or the mm. one after where he's Brent's trying to impress uh, Oliver Chris's character. Yes, with the dusty. Yeah, dusty yeah. Talk. and it's just so obvious yeah. that he's just gone yeah, to a yeah. room, like looked up a Wikipedia page or something, and then just like because he comes yeah. back with a very specific quote yeah, or reference, yeah. and then he just turns around and he goes. Oh yeah, I think I heard about that and such and such. And then he's got nothing to back it up. <laughs> he, has to, he has to walk away and, again. Yeah. And Ricky knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, now, exactly. He knows yeah. exactly how much rope he's given Brent to hang yeah. himself with. <laughs> it's, it's such a brilliant just five minutes of television, like you said. It's yeah. And again, I feel like those are scenes we can all relate to. We we know someone oh, that absolutely. like it comes back to like you said that whole neediness. Um, mm-hmm. and a thing. It's it's so funny. It's so good. I agree with you. That's if I think about it, like favorite episodes, that's probably at the top because, like you said, I think yeah, I agree. Yeah. It showcases the best of all of these characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I mean, I think that the pro- probably only contender for that title would be the Training Day one, which is the yeah. episode right afterwards. Yeah. So, like, middle of series one is just. Mm. Yeah, creme de la creme. But man, the whole thing—it's just wall to wall. Just the, the 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 grace notes and the detail. I think when you mm. um, when you write when you write it this this well and this truthfully, and then you cast people that are this intuitively mm. on it with performance, you just ensure that there are so many grace notes, even inadvertently, just sprinkled throughout that just make it feel so revisitable. Yeah, I view it as um. I, I love the idea of like hangout movies and hangout shows where it's the, the sort of light on plot, mm. dialogue driven and behavior driven, and you can watch them over and over and over again and, and just um, just kind of sink into their grooves. And it feels like you're hanging out with friends, like uh, like Days and Confused, and everybody wants some. Linklate is very good at making movies like mm. that. And I think I would class The Office as a hangout show in that regard because you can just you can just yeah. watch it again, yeah. and you can just you can absorb these vibes that the you know these people are giving off and. As, as bitter as it might be, again, I, I do just find something very comforting about I don't, it. Like you said, I was thinking about this, just leading up to this conversation about like you said, the, the sort of cynical nature, because I, I'll, I'll say this now, I, I'm i not going to lie, I do prefer the US one because I've mm-hmm. seen it more and because yeah. the writers of that show famously have said that they deliberately made it 10% more hopeful. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, cling yeah, to yeah, that sure, hope. sure. Um, but again, I, I've loved coming back to this and revisiting it, and it's made me think like, yeah. I'm going to rewatch this probably more often because, as you say, even though it has that kind of edge to it, where it's a mm. bit dark and grey, and, and like you said, there's that kind of cynicism. I don't think it's vicious or or nasty in the no. way like and like we've like we've talked about, you know, with even the characters of David Brent and people like that. It, it's it's making fun of like the blind spots and the aspiration. It's not necessarily attacking the characters or the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And I, and I for that reason I think it's I think people should probably give it more of a chance in that way. And to be fair, Definitely. this has springboarded so many other shows. I mean, let's be honest. Without this show, mm-hmm. you don't have the US version, and you probably wouldn't have half the shows we've already talked about on this series that I'm doing, like Parks and Rec yeah. in the Good Place. You know, Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nine-Nine's another one. You know, like, we, where would we be without The Office? I kind of feel like a lot of other sitcoms would have taken a long time to have, to yeah. have even come forward. So th- this really is, like, ground zero for a lot of modern comedy. 
Definitely, definitely it is. Yeah, I think even things like uh, Arrested Development yeah. and, and to a degree Community, just in, in, in so far as how they they do veer away from obviously signposting jokes and that they do uh, just give you a bit more to chew on. Absolutely. Um, I guess kind of like the, the, the final point that I wanted to make as, as regards my pretentious opening <laughs> statement about this being the great humanitarian drama. Yep. I think um, I, I, I do, I love the American office. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's probably the, the best way they could have adapted it for the American market, both mm. in terms of American humor sensibilities and also network demands. Cause it's a the 24, it's like four times the amount of episodes needed. So you, you need to tweak it. You couldn't sustain this level of, you know, of, of, uh, ambivalence for that many episodes so mm. they they had to do what they did which is just make it a bit more a bit more into a sitcom insofar as there are situations from which comedy arises there's always kind of redemption for the characters no one is fully bad everyone is the way they are because of reasons and deep down inside everyone loves each other and they all hug at the end and then they learn like the whole the old sitcom at age hugs and learning at the end which is something that Seinfeld is famous for mm. rejecting. Yeah. Um, mm. Whereas I think what the UK version is, is trying to do is kind of mount this um, treatise on the sort of the quiet tragedy of modern life, like the sort of dehumanization of white collar work and the humiliation of office life, the compromises and dashed hopes and dreams and the way that the reality of your situation is not mm. equatable to your expectations. And I don't think it's about making the office environment seem like a fun, zany place, but it's 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 all about the things that help us get by from day to day to day, like the things that make the pain of of, of modern life mm. bearable. Yeah, you know, for Tim, it's Dawn. For for David, it's I suppose it's his comedy. For Gareth, it's his TA. You know. <laughs> TA leanings and can I be uh, can I be incredibly indulgent and, and read Tim's monologue from please towards the end of, of the Christmas do. special please do uh, the people you work with are people you were just thrown together with you know you don't know them it wasn't your choice and yet you spend more time with them than you do your friends or family but probably all you've got in common is the fact that you walk around on the same bit of carpet for eight hours a day and so obviously when someone comes in who you have a connection with yeah and dawn was a ray of sunshine in my life, and it meant a lot. But, you know, if I'm really being honest, I never thought it was going to have a happy ending. I don't know what a happy ending is. Life isn't about endings, is it? It's a series of moments. And, um, you know, it's not if, you know, if you turn the cameras off, it's not an ending, is it? I'm still here. My life's not over. Come back in ten years, see how I'm doing then. It's like I've been married with kids. You don't know. Life just goes on. And that's, I think that is the late in the day summation of the show's mm. office romance. It is, it's about the things that, that, that sort of the, the, the do get you through the drudgery of life and the things that offer that ray of hope. And I think the, the genius writing and directing and acting of Gervais and Merchant and their wonderful cast is, is all about finding those flickers of light, finding those nice mm. moments and, and looking to the next day and... and hoping for better things and, and trying to will yourself into pursuing those better things i know yeah i i totally agree man and i'm glad you read that out because i i remember watching that um quite recently um and yeah that, that final monologue and thinking yeah it's a really nice mm. way of summing up the show and the hopes and dreams of the characters and it's something mm. that gervais and merchant talked about actually in his interviews i listened to was like yeah 
the, exactly what Tim says. Like you, you, you're in an office, you're just thrown together with random people that you might not necessarily go out of your way to hang out with. Yeah. So of course you look for things to get you through the day, or you look for commonalities, you look for stuff to, as you say, yeah. give you hope. So in that way, I think it's actually quite optimistic, and it's. Hmm. And when you think about it like that, it's not surprising that like a David Brent character, for example, would act up the way he does in the hopes that it would get him somewhere else. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it is what it is. I think it's in that sense. I think it's wonderful. It's like I said, I was pleasantly surprised going back to this show. And it's very short and pithy. It's 14 episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many shows can you say that about? You know, so many of the sitcoms I've talked about previously. I love all of them. But when you're like nine seasons in, it's kind of like, ooh, that's, you know, that's a tall order. Whereas, you know, and it ebbs and flows in terms of quality. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like this, it's 14 episodes and it's just wall-to-wall greatness. It's just, yeah. to your point earlier, like they know what the characters are. They know where they're going with the story. It has a beginning, middle and end, so to speak. And even then, it's it's it wraps up everything quite neatly. But in a way, as you say, that's not like, you know, oh, happy endings, sunshine and rainbows. It's just, it's real. It ends in a way that you're mm. kind of like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like you said, David Brent doesn't yeah. have a full redemption, but he's he's learning a lesson. Tim and Dawn seem to be starting a proper relationship. You don't see them get married and have kids and ride off into the yeah. sunset. But that's okay. It's just, it's exactly what it needs to be. And I, I'm glad it's done. I've never seen anything else follow up to this i know there's a david brent movie but i've not given it a chance because i'm just no there's not oh is it that bad is it because i've heard <laughs> in all sincerity i've heard that it's not great um i never got around to see um it. it's i mean i ricky Gervais's subsequent comedic um you know the avenues he's pursued i've not really followed him down them i i, mm. I love this obviously and i think extras has a lot of good stuff in it yeah but beyond that really i don't yeah, so like, it, it, it's, it's a different character by the time the film comes along. It's, mm. um, yeah. That, I mean, that is much more mean-spirited, and then it pivots on a dime at the end into this really mawkish, saccharine, flagrant redemption moment for him. Okay. Think, oh, this is, whereas in this, it's just the redemption is, is just subtle enough and just kind of earned enough to, to, to feel legitimate, and you can buy it in this world. Yeah. In the life on the road movie man i wouldn't mm. i mean you know if, if it's if it's streaming anywhere that you don't have to pay for it i mean give it a watch a time of recording think, but... i've seen it on prime once or twice and i have been tempted right, right. by it but but to your point and a um i well, i can call them friends of the show it just dawned on me uh, the guys over skip to the end <laughs> there's a sentence i never thought i'd say um <laughs> if you're listening they they have said before like it they don't they don't like it and they're not alone i know friends and family that have seen mm. it and said yeah i think my dad saw it and said like it was okay it wasn't quite the same and it, it comes back to something actually it reminds me of what uh i ended up talking about with daisy when we talked about friends when they mm. did the Joey spin-off it's like you take a character yeah exactly you take a character <laughs> that works well in that construct that you've given them they can bounce off these other characters because part of the dynamic of like why David Brent is works well in the office is he's got these other characters to bounce off if you then just pick up that character and put them in a new scenario you're not guaranteed that it's going to be this that they're going to have no. the same chemistry or the same kind of effects 
so yeah, it, it's one of those things with spin-offs, particularly of, of either, either a movie or a, a sitcom series. Yeah. Um, I think you're better just leaving it wrapped up personally. And so it's not something I'm going to rush out to see. And I'm in the same boat as you with Gervais. I'm like, I'm very 50-50 yeah. on the guy. I like some of the stuff he does and other stuff. I'm like, eh, this isn't for me. But, but you know, but that's fine. That's fine. Again, I mean, I mean like I said, talking about The Office, I just, it's one of those shows, again, I, I think if you're listening and even if you're like, yeah, but I, I can't get over the cringiness, the awkwardness, I hope that mm. what you've brought to this conversation that we've talked about can hopefully get, encourage people to try it again with a bit more of an optimistic really view. So. Yeah. And even if you don't, at least respect it for what it is, which is like this is the, mm-hmm. the ground zero for pretty much most of modern comedies we know it now like so many yeah. series i think would not exist without this show and without yeah. what it's done so i respect it heavily and one thing i just want to bring up because we've overlooked and it's very brief but i adore keith <laughs> <laughs> i had i had no way to segue his character and i just i was just i just saw him on my list and i was like <laughs> he has some of my favorite moments the whole thing about watching yeah. reruns that whole conversation. It's boring, isn't yeah. it? Uh, staying in and watching peak practice with your life. <laughs> yeah. Not for me. Not for me, I like it. <laughs> Not for me, I hadn't seen it. <laughs> what did you watch on telly last night? I didn't watch telly, I watched a video. I watched that peak practice. Yeah, I've never seen it. Bloody repeat. Yeah. It's annoying, isn't it? Not for me, I hadn't seen it. Boring, isn't it? Just staying in watching peak practice with your life. Mm, yeah. Not for me. I like it. So um, good. On on the topic of Keith, oh, uh, I strongly, strongly recommend, uh, even if you're not a fan of the UK office, uh, mm-hmm. look up the bloopers from uh, the first two series and the special because Keith in particular is... Yes. He's so good at staying in character yeah. and he's so good at making everyone else crease. Um, it's they yeah. are some of the best. I often I, I've probably watched the outtakes as often as I've watched the series itself because mm. they are you can just flick them on every now and then for a for a quick and easy laugh. It's they're so fun. Yeah, so strongly recommend uh, strongly recommend the Office bloopers. Absolutely, yeah. I think most of that stuff you can find on YouTube. And you're right. It's mm-hmm. just, yeah, it's great to see these people playing off each other. And and like mm. I said the character of Keith is one of those examples of these many little characters they have in this show that are just so dry and brilliant and yeah, you know yeah. I, I don't know who he is but I, I love the old man that he's in like three episodes the janitor that just stares down the barrel of the oh, lens well, you know that's Stephen Merchant's dad really? yeah oh yeah, that's, that's Stephen Merchant's dad that's incredible I love that fact I think he just he thought his dad had a funny face so he wanted to put him in the, in the he series he wasn't wrong <laughs> he's absolute i just it gets again it's one of those things watching it back i was like i forgot about this guy like he just he's he's in like three episodes (laughs) but he's just so funny and even Stephen merchant's cameo as as the og monster oh yeah yeah i love the whole like what is it like i don't call you fatty do i or like you just let's go ourselves a little goggly-eyed freak oh he's off mate he's off yeah he's (laughs) it's just (laughs) and he just runs off like crying he's just like What's his problem? Oh, <laughs> as as a lanky Bristolian myself, I I relate heavily to Stephen Merchant. Um, <laughs> I'm not a goggly eyed freak, oh. I have to say, but still, like, just very funny. That just I love that they brought him in for that, even just for two minutes. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, it's great. And just the way he like immediately goes for Brent. It's yeah, absolutely wonderful. <laughs> 
They finally come to take you away then. Hey, you mad as well. Guilty. He's a boss. Give us a job. Uh, I've already got one reprobate, thanks very much. <laughs> Jimmy the Purr right, and man. the Ogg Monster. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> what's, what's the weather like up there? Oh, I've heard that before. <laughs> parents put you in a grow bag when you were little, did they? That's old one. Let's grow ourselves a big, lanky, goggle-eyed freak in right, the sun. Calm down, mate. There's no need to get offensive. No, 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 I was not joining in. Call you fatty as soon as I saw right, you. No, I was joining in. Just, no, I, was just, oh. I don't have a go at the eyes, I'm because not... that is a stigmatism okay. that I've had from the age of five. So that's what makes them a bit bulbous. Okay. So don't just... I didn't call you like whale man or the no, blubber no. man. No, yeah, but silly. I don't go around calling myself the mong boy. Well, I don't either. I call myself the og monster. I'm not going to call you the og monster. Well, that's my name, isn't no, it? No, it's not. What's your real name? Nathan. It's a good name. Is it? Yes. I call you Nathan. I didn't call you face. What, what, is, what is? What's the matter with him? This is what I mean. There's so many. Yeah, it's one of those shows. Like you gotta see it. It's just there's so <sighs> many hilarious yeah. moments in it, and it has a lot to say. I think as well about some topics. Yeah. Like one that really leapt out to me was the whole thing on on race. I thought was very well handled. It's very funny. Like he's there's this awful joke they're telling that's just very distasteful, and it involves mm-hmm. it involves um, black genitalia, shall we say? Um, and of course, it like the poor like the one guy in the office. Um, and it ends up becoming he has to get caught up in this conversation yeah. again. I think very ahead of its time, very like the way it handles yeah. that. And what was it like? You said the I forget the actress name who plays the Welsh lady in the office turns around and says like, "Why do only black people have to be offended by racism?" Yeah, yeah, Such absolutely. a good comment, and it's but yeah. it's hilarious again, just like the way the whole room goes dead, and then rents like, yeah. G- good point, good point, and like just starts. You can see him backpedaling furiously. <laughs> on <this>. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, like, uh, you know, like, like the white liberals in Get Out, um, David Brent then doubles down on trying to prove how not racist he is by always approaching Oliver, the quote unquote office black guy, in David Brent's words. I watched a brilliant film last night with uh, Mr. Denzel Washington. Yeah, that's Uh, right. Not not my favourite actor, though. Mr. Sidney Poitier. (laughs) He he brings in a little black Labrador called Nelson, and he's always talking. (laughs) Yeah, if you, if you want if you want the modern Ye- Yates and Keats, you know, don't don't look at Harvard and Oxford. You know, T T Pain, uh, Ice Cube, <laughs> Ice Cube. <laughs> yeah, I. Which I think yeah, uh, also you know it, it does uh, get to some things that that we're taking the Mickey out of now. It's yeah, it's, so, yeah um, again, just decades ahead of its time, and just like yeah, yeah, like yeah, that Ice Cube bit, I, oh, I. Bald over laughing at that. yeah. <laughs> N- Nelson Mandela, yeah, locked him up, didn't they? Just just for being black. He's like, well, that's not what happened. Actually, he led a militia, and he's like, oh, no, well, you know, they, immediately again, just the backpedaling and the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's yeah, very very clever, really really funny. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mate, I'm deaf. I'm so glad you've got me to rewatch this because I'm I'm going to be going back to it again because it's just good. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. And and again, a thing about it of sitcoms moving into more real life, as you say, like as much as I like, mm. again, we've talked about Friends and these other shows, which I think are great. There is that kind of common criticism of like, oh, they're very hyper real. And it's like, and it's true. Mm. They are, like you said, they're situational. But it's nice that shows like this come along where you you find the comedy in the ordinary. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, and I think that's wonderful. That's a whole other side of comedy, which is great. And I and I applaud mm. this show and and the many others that followed afterwards that that utilise this kind of framework t- to the best mm-hmm. of its ability. Yeah, 
just sort of looking around and saying, what are we as a species? What's yeah, going on? Yeah. Like, what, what, isn't life weird and painful? And mm. <laughs> You know, it's got to cling on to those little things that bring us joy in the moment, I suppose. Yeah. And that's the sentiment that I think uh, lives on. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it's a, well, it's kind of, I guess, is there anything else you want to bring up about it? Because I feel like we've, we've gone all over the place with this. This is going to be a bumper episode, I just realised. Oh, man, I, I, I could happily do an episode-by-episode breakdown if you want to, <laughs> but I'm, I'm well aware that we've, we've, <laughs> we've, we've, we've gone along well, already. Well, um, well, I, I, as far as I'm aware, there's the US office breakdown-by-breakdown breakdown office ladies, which I adore. I don't think there's one for yeah. the British office yet. Should we sneak well, in? Oh, two oh, random oh. podcasters before I any of the cast did you, uh, it, yeah. Before Gervais decides to do it for a quick quid, yeah. <laughs> no, I think, honestly, uh, thank you so much for letting me come on and talk about this show. It's it's long been a favourite of mine. Uh, anytime. Uh, one of my favourite just pieces of art in general. I, I mm. adore the hell out of this show. And uh, it's a pleasure to to share in the excitement with you, mate. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely, mate. I, I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, so I guess to kind of take us home, where can the good people find you if they've, they've not? I mean, you've been on this, get, this show before, but for anyone who's, who's not... <laughs> Gone back and listen to that episode yet? Well, if you want to follow me on Twitter and, and see all the things that I retweet, I'm not much of a tweeter. Uh, it's Josh <laughs> underscore Glenn, uh, or you can follow the podcast that I co-host with former uh, Fundamentals guest Andrew Godion uh, uh, at Ramblin Amblin mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter. And uh, our most recent episode, uh, as of recording this, was the one on Inner Space, which is a favorite uh, a favorite of mine. But mm. the, the next one coming up is Empire of the Sun. Then we have. Uh, some stranger, more esoteric, uh, late 80s titles coming yeah. out. We're basically, talking through the Amblin filmography, uh, chronologically, one film at a time. Uh, and, and and Harley here came on for our Back to the Future episode, which is, uh, again, an- another bumper episode, wasn't it? I was, was tons of getting fun, very mate. excited tons for a of long fun. time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've um, since been talked with Andy about coming back on at some point. Oh, yeah. I put my yeah, hat in the ring for a couple definitely. of episodes. So any, any of those yeah. I'll be grateful for, because you're right. And something I said to Andy when he was on... I've said this a few times, so I'm sure people listening are sick of me saying it, but I don't care. I think what I love about the show and what you guys are doing with it is that it's such a eclectic collection of films. When you when you mm, actually sit, a lot of strange stuff. yeah, because when I first, I think it was Andy I first had on the show, and he was telling me about your podcast in his early days. I remember looking mm-hmm. at the list like afterwards on Wikipedia and thinking like, yeah, that's a really strange <laughs> list of films. Like, there's no. <laughs> rhyme or reason to it it just seems to be all over the sh- which is great and so yeah I, I highly encourage people as always who listen to this to definitely go and check out rambling um not just because i'm on it but of course you know a lot <laughs> no genuinely it's, it's fascinating start with that start yeah, with that episode start with before that moving yeah. on to you know <laughs> mr toad <laughs> that's mental no i, I highly <laughs> encourage people to go and check out that show it's, it's a lot of fun and you guys have so much good stuff coming up and there's more being added to it as well there's more stuff i know out, this you know? whole netflix deal uh with amblin partners yeah yeah so we'll be doing this forever absolutely long forever long may ever. it continue <laughs> but yeah josh as always mate thank you so much for coming on oh thank you so much for having me and uh, you're welcome on ours anytime mate all right brilliant and there we have it a huge thank you to joshua for coming on to the podcast and sharing your love of The Office with us. I think you guys can agree with me when I say that that was an incredible episode. There was so much insight and analysis and heart in that discussion. I loved every second of it. And if you listening really enjoyed this, you want to hear more from Josh, because of course you do, then go and check out Ramblin' and Amblin' Podcasts, where he and previous guest 
Andrew Godian go through all the Amblin films. It's a wonderful show, and I'm not just saying that because they were kind enough to have me on. You can, of course, find links to all of that in the show notes for you, as well as where to find Josh on social media. I want to give a big thank you, as always, to Alex Jenkins, who designs the artwork for the show. If you like what you see and you want to commission him for your own work, then definitely do so and use the links in the show notes to find him. And of course, a big thank you to you, dear listener, for listening to this episode, for subscribing, telling a friend, sharing, all of that good stuff. It means so much to me. I cannot thank you enough, especially as we come towards the end of this sitcom summer series. It's been an absolute blast. I've had so much fun talking about all of these shows and met some incredible people along the way. And your support just makes all of that possible. If you'd like to go that one step further and leave me a lovely five-star review on your favorite podcatcher, I would greatly appreciate that. All I ask is that you let me know because if I've missed it, I of course want to give you a shout out on the podcast. You can message me with the social media links in the description of this podcast. That is it from me. I'll be back again in a week's time with another guest and our final sitcom yes we're coming to the end of the sitcom summer series and i will of course leave a little clue as to what is coming up next so until next time stay tuned and stay safe toby works here again oh can you imagine oh no Uh, you don't know i don't know what? You should probably just meander back there. Take a look, see if, hmm. he's, see if he's back. Dare I? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to, for old time's sake. Great practical joke, Jim. Got me go to the annex. No! God! No, God, please, no, 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 no!